Okay, awesome. So, uh, so we've been talking about the, the, the second part of the greatest commandment. So Jesus was asked by uh, one of the religious teachers of the time, of all the commands, what was the most important? And he said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so recently, in the last month or so, we've been talking about what it means to love yourself. Okay? Um, and I got a sick little... Um, uh, kind of a cool, cool revelation for us uh, as I was kind of been studying and reading about different places in Scripture where it mentions like loving your neighbor, okay? All right, so uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44. We've, we read this the last couple of Mondays. It says, you have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And Jesus says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, Okay. So let me read that again. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay, so the, the, the first place that love your neighbor was mentioned in Scripture is in Leviticus 19. So Leviticus is this book of kind of like the laws, right? So they took the Ten Commandments and they kind of elaborated on what those Ten Commandments mean. And so in Leviticus, it mentions that phrase, you shall love your neighbor. And so there's... Uh, from Leviticus 9 to Leviticus 19, uh, verse 9 to 18, it talks about all these different ways that we should be, we shouldn't gossip, we should be just, we shouldn't show uh, partiality, right? We, not favoritism, right? Oh, this guy's more cool, more popular, more handsome. I'm going to hang out with him, right? This girl is like action. I'm going to spend more time with her than a girl is like not action, you know? So pretty much what it's saying is like we should uh, not show partiality. And so it kind of goes on through this whole description on what it means for us to love our neighbor. What is missing in verse 19? I mean, chapter 19 of Leviticus. Hate your enemy. Okay? So Jesus says, you have heard it says. So when Jesus is talking, he's talking to the Jewish community. People who knew Leviticus 19. Like born and raised, like they would memorize like the first, what is it, the Torah, the first four books of the Bible. They would memorize that by like the age of 12, you know? And so these people not only knew it, like the adults, like they knew the commands, they knew the stories, they knew the scriptures, you know? But then Jesus comes on scene and he's like, you guys have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And I didn't really catch this at first, but I, I read that, I went back to, to Leviticus 19 and I was like, what the heck? Where does that come from? You know, because one of my, um, when you read your Bible, sometimes there's a little letters that's on it, and it gives you like this cross-reference, right? So you follow down to the bottom, and it gives you like the verse that it comes from. So in one of the Bibles I was using, when, when, or even this one, it says uh, in verse 43, it says, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy is quoted, and then you look down to the bottom, what does it quote? Leviticus 19.18, and what does it say there? Love your neighbor. It doesn't say hate your enemy. So why do they reference that if it's, that's not actually what it's saying? Okay? So I started asking myself, oh, so what happened? Like, how did the message, the original message of love your neighbor turn to love your neighbor and hate your enemy? Okay? So I was doing some studying. I called my professor, and I'm like, so what? What's your explanation? Okay? And he said, Kaipo, there, well, one, I understood this part that there's, there, there had been hundreds of thousands of years from the time that Leviticus was written till the time Jesus came on the scene, right? Tons of time. But just because a lot of time went by, it doesn't necessarily mean that the word should change, you know? 
just because a thousand years from now goes by and Jesus doesn't come back, it doesn't mean that the scripture that we use today shouldn't be applicable to then, you know? Like it should be the same word. It shouldn't change just because the world that we live in is changing. Ultimately, this word is still the same today as it was written 2,000 years ago. Okay? But for them, something happened from the original text of love your neighbor. Something got added on the end, hate your enemy. Okay, so one, time had passed, but what had happened throughout that time? Okay, so after the nation of Israel started getting disobedient, they weren't really following the Lord, they went into captivity, right? So there was the um, Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians came in and um, conquered them, right? And uh, one of the things that, or some of the things that had gotten adopted through there was teachings Okay, so um, it's kind of like, I mean, this is, you guys are going to understand this analogy. It's kind of like the Hawaiians, how Hawaii was overthrown, and then some of the common practices that the Hawaiians believed in the early days aren't really practiced now. People are Hawaiian, they identify with Hawaiian culture, they may speak Hawaiian language, right? They may practice um, uh, uh, different Hawaiian holidays and festivals and olis, you know? But yet, within this culture, there's other things that had been adopted also, okay? So within the nation of Israel, right, they got overthrown, right, by all these countries, and then that country got overthrown, another country came in and overthrew that country, right? And along the way, two things happened. One, they adopted a different philosophy because of the norm, right? So the Babylonians come in and they take over different culture, different teachings, different religion, different practices, and some of that got stuck on the Israelites, yeah? The Jewish community kind of got stuck on them, and their teachings changed. The second thing that happened was um, the nation of Israel started worshiping their gods, yeah? So there was one time where Hawaii was what? Monotheistic, yeah? Hawaiians worshiped what? One god, right? And then over time... It became polytheistic, where Hawaiians started worshiping Pele and Lono and, you know, like, like all these uh, many gods rather than the one God, the one true creator God, yeah? And so when the early missionaries came in, a lot of the Hawaiians really, like, chased after this concept of the one creator God. Yeah, we have great stories in our lineage of queens and kings, like, uh, who was it, Kapiolani, who went to, uh, like, into the volcano and was calling out Pele, like, what do you got? If you're real, show yourself to be true. And is calling out Pele in the volcano, you know, like, Kanaka was, like, nuts, you know? And Pele didn't do anything, right? Because there is no Pele, you know? There is no Pele, but you think in, in the common culture, in Hula, in a lot of these, like, more... Um, I would say secular Hawaiian groups, they'll only and they'll chant to what? The God of peace, the God of war, the God, you know? And um, so anyway, so this is kind of what is happening. So Jesus comes along and he's teaching people and he's like, you guys have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. It had a little bit of truth there with a little bit of lie. The original word that was good got distorted yeah? So there was a little bit of good, 
and a little bit of lie. Okay? So part of what, what the, the Pharisees were teaching, and, and, and they, they didn't get it all wrong, okay? So the, the, the Pharisees kind of get a bad rap, right? I mean, uh, anytime you read scripture, like it's just negative stuff. But these guys actually, like for me, like I, I feel like they didn't have a bad heart. So their goal was to, to, to live in such a way where they and the nation of Israel wouldn't be a part of the surrounding um, country because they understood that when Israel went through the leadership of Babylon and Assyrians and the Persians, they adopted the cultures and they worshiped their gods. So the Pharisees came up and they're like, guys, what the heck? Stop touching the things that are dirty. Stop worshiping other gods that are dirty because as you focus on their gods, you become dirty. See, but they had it a little bit wrong, right? So that was the truth. That's good stuff, right? That's good stuff, okay? They had that part correct. But the part that they had wrong was not only should we focus on cleaning the outside, we got to focus on cleaning what? The inside. We cannot just be good and holy and Christian on the outside. We want to be good and Christian and holy on the inside, you know? So that even when the outside starts getting a little wiggly, we have hearts that are still open to the Lord. Amen? It's good? Okay, so Mark, cha Mark chapter 7. I'm going to show you a little example of how uh, their teachings um, started to differ from what it is that, that Jesus was teaching. So Mark chapter 7, I'm just going to read from, um, from verse 1, um, and I think you guys will kind of catch what is kind of happening. Um, so Mark chapter 7 now when the Pharisees gathered to him, this is Jesus, with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. So you guys get that, right? So hands that are not only dirty, but a little bit more than dirty. Because they had this belief where if you touch an unclean thing, not only is your hand dirty, but you're, you're dirty, you know? Okay, so... So they start questioning Jesus, like, what's up with your disciples? So verse 3, for the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they uh, come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as uh, the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining um, couches. Um, and the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your uh, disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well, uh, did Isaiah prophesy, uh, you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honor me with their lips, but their hearts is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of man. You leave the commandments of God and hold to the traditions of man. Okay, so they have like a good heart. They, they actually want to try to follow the commands of God. They actually want to follow the word of God. They actually don't want to be unholy, unpure people. But rather than just doing the, the internal things, they just focus on the external things. So with their words, with their actions, they demonstrated that they actually really love the Lord. But on the inside, 
their hearts were actually very far from the Lord. Like they never actually had a relationship with the Lord, right? And it's something that we talk about here a lot. The difference between a religious relationship with the Lord or like a real genuine relationship with the Lord, you know? So on the left side, the religious is, is I feel like because I'm a Christian, I should go to church. I should read my Bible. I should pray. I should give my tithe and offering. I should love my neighbor. I sh- you know, and it's just a bunch of do's and don'ts, right? Which, which aren't bad things, but when we come over to the, the real genuine relationship with, the, with God, not only do we want to do those things, but those things are uh, done not um, as an obligation, but they're done out of a response for the love that God has poured out into my life. Okay, so we got the crosses up here. That's the motivation. What's our motivation? The fact that Jesus went to the cross. He died for me. He forgave me of my sins. And by my faith in him, not only am I saved, but I get to spend the rest of my life in eternity. So because Jesus did these things, I'm going to give my life to the Lord for the rest of my life. I'm going to surrender, yeah? And this is the call for us as believers. Like if you're going to say you're a believer, it's not, it's not like gray, right? You're either a son and a daughter or you're not. And the son and the daughters of God not, don't get things perfect all the time, but they believe in the perfect one. Whereas the people who try to be religious and try to be original sons and daughters, they um, may be more disciplined sometimes than the believers, but yet not knowing the, the heart behind, you know, why they do what they do, okay? And, and so this is the dilemma that, that Jesus is speaking into. Jesus, for the most part, isn't speaking to total non-believers. Jesus is actually speaking to the Jewish community who actually have a lot of history, right? A lot of history of, of what it means to love God and follow God, yeah? And they're, and they're wrestling between this, like, works-related relationship with God, or I wouldn't even say works-related, I'll say this, this works-related uh, religion versus uh, a faith belief that Jesus came and taught. So Jesus says the true work of our life here is to believe in the one whom God sent. The most important, you guys have heard me say this, the most important thing this side of heaven, so the most important thing on earth now is what? Trusting in God. Yeah? Trusting in God and then living in such a way. The other side, the religious side, says the most important thing is to demonstrate the pure life. Like you cannot touch things that are unclean. You cannot eat things that are unclean. You cannot be around things that are unclean. Because if you are, you're unclean. And then you're eliminated from the conversation. Right? So on the relationship side, the genuine side, we admit that we're unclean. We're not trying to be unclean. We admit that we're unclean, and the only way that we get clean is through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Because of our trust in God, God so loved the world that he gave us his only son, right? That Jesus would die on the cross, and because of the blood that was shed on the cross, we can be forgiven of our sins. And that's really the only thing that separates us from God is our sins, you know? That's why we celebrate Easter. That's why we have crosses on, you know, hanging up on the church. People have cross pendants. Um, people have cross tattoos, crosses on their cars. Why? Well, for some people, it's the religious part that tries to get them closer to God, right? But then for 
me and for, I think, a lot of us in here, the cross really reminds us that God is loving, caring, kind, compassionate, steadfast, forgiving us of our sins, you know, not holding our sins against us. And so because of the good work that Jesus has done, what do we do? We work. Not out of obligation, right? But only as a response. It's like, look at what he's done. How can I not love, right? Why would I want to sin, you know? Like really, if we had, well, I don't know. I'm not going to make that statement. But because of the, 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 um, the, the realization of who God is and what he's done, and, and for a lot of us, we, we've, how many of us here, yeah, have actually had an encounter with God? You know? And you know he's real. He's showed himself to you, and you're like, how amazing is he, you know? Really, it's like, I'm going to give my life away, you know, to serving God in, the, in this capacity, okay? Um, is this good? It's good, right? That's a whole message right there, okay? That's a whole message of what has happened, right, from loving your neighbor or loving your neighbor, and it, it shifted to loving your neighbor and hating your enemy, Okay? And so what happened was these people picked up some things along the way that just blended, you know? It was a little bit of truth and a little bit of lie, which makes it what? All lie, yeah? Yeah, you kind of, you see the clean water, dirty water, yeah? Like clean water with a little bit of shishi is what? <laughs> shishi water, right? You're not going to drink them even if you get a little bit, huh? You know what I mean? It's like you staying as far away from that as you can, Okay? So, um, okay, so, so the main, the, 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 uh, the greatest command, right? Love your, your neighbor. Um, turn to Isaiah uh, chapter 49. Uh, verse 6. This is good, okay? This is super good. So I was talking to my professor earlier. He's like, Kaipo, you got to turn to Isaiah 49, verse 6. And I was like, why? He's like, just turn there, okay? So Isaiah is one of the prophets, yeah, that was prophesying at the end of that era before Jesus came. And Isaiah prophesies in verse 6. He says, uh, it is to light a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob, to bring back and preserve, uh, the preserved of Israel. I will make you a light, as a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Let me read that again. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So Isaiah's speaking this out, and who is he speaking this to? Like, who is this? Uh, um, so, so recently I've been thinking about, like, uh, purpose, right? Like, what is our purpose? Uh, why have we been created? What is our role here on earth? And so Isaiah is speaking and prophesying this over who? The nation of Israel. It was the nation of Israel's purpose for existence that they would be a light for the nations. Okay? But what happened? They came out of Babylon and they weren't necessarily 
a light to the world, they became a world that was surrounded by walls. Because the world was dirty and we didn't want to touch it. So what do we do? We try to remove ourselves from the world and we build walls around us. Right? Jesus is trying to touch our hearts and what do we do? We build a wall around our hearts. Because we don't want to contaminate ourselves. Right? We want to be pure. We want to be holy. We want to be just. And so what do we do? We run away from everything that's evil and we run away from the world. What do, what do we have there? We have part truth and we have part lie. Can you catch what the lie is? So the truth part is easy, right? Like ultimately we don't want to get dirty in the world. Like we don't, we don't want to uh, uh, totally immerse ourselves in the world and chase after all its pleasures and all its fame and all those things, right? We get that. That's godly. But there's a part in there that is very ungodly. Okay? You guys are going to catch it, okay? You guys are going to catch it. I'm not going to tell you right now. Um, there's a, uh, I'll tell you what the answer is. You've got to find it. But So we talked about the greatest commandment. Yeah? We also have the great commission. Right? So what is the great commission? To go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all that Jesus had taught, okay? But what was the igniter? So that was Jesus' last words, but what was the thing that started that off? The Holy Spirit. Yeah? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Yeah? You guys should read it. It's good, Okay? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So this is right after Jesus goes to heaven. He says, wait for, yeah, the gift of the Holy Spirit, yeah? And so the 120 are in the upper room, right? Um, and verse 8 is spoken. It says, but you will receive what? Power, yeah? When the Holy Spirit, yeah, has come upon you and you will be my witnesses to your school, to Makawao, to Maui, to Hawaii, to ultimately the nation and the world, okay? I mean, it doesn't say that. It says Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So that pretty much was um, Jerusalem was their closest area. Judea was um, the town that, you know, like the, the, the countryside that they were living in, right? And then you go Samaria, that's a little bit further. And then past that was, in their words, the end of the world, like the end of the earth. Like once you get further than that, you're, you're already at the other side of the world, you know, the other side of the earth. Like, and so that, that, that was the call, right? So um, for Jesus, rather than removing ourselves from the world, he actually was trying to what? Send us into the world to be what was prophesied by Isaiah. Hundreds of years later, Jesus comes on the scene and says, hey, remember what Isaiah said? You guys are going to be a light to the world? Jesus says that again. Yeah? Where does he say it? Matthew chapter 5. Go back to Matthew chapter 5. You guys are good. Hey, this is good stuff right here. <laughs> Seriously, when I started studying this, I was like, no way. This is action. 
Okay? So this, and this is like one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Okay? Um, well, verse 16 is my favorite, but let's go from verse 13. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, how shall it, yeah, its saltiness be restored? Yeah? Uh, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled on a few feet. Okay, verse 14. You are what? The light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people uh, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and what? Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So what is Jesus doing? Jesus is fulfilling this Isaiah prophecy of not only the nation, but all those who would follow Jesus to be what? The light in the world, to be uh, salt on the earth. And what is that? That's flavor, you know? That's like you got like action, you know? Like you walk around and you are the, the element in the world that just changes things. Salt was used back in the day to preserve things, to let it last a little bit longer. Anything that was bland, you were the spice, you know? The light and the salt of the earth was what God had destined the nation of Israel to be all along, but they ran away from their destiny, yeah? They ran away from their purpose. Jesus comes and he says, hey, trust in me and I will make you the salt and light of the earth. Does that sound like obligation? Or does that sound out of response? Like, when I think about light, I don't think containment. I just think spread, you know? Like, and we're all amazed. Right? We go outside and we look at the stars. We're like, wow, stars are action, you know? Look how small they are. So pretty. And they're raging gas balls, like, millions of miles away, you know? But I want to be a light, you know? I want to be a light for the Lord, yeah? And how do we be lights, guys? We love others. You have heard it said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Jesus says, but I tell you, yeah, that you should love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Okay? And you guys want to catch one thing? So let me, let me finish right here. So they were trying to, what was the goal of the Pharisees? They, they wanted to be clean. They wanted to be perfect, right? This is good. This is real good. Okay? You guys are going to blow your mind about this. Okay? So, so read um, Matthew chapter 5. Um, read that whole section. So we read 43, 44. Read 45 through 48. You guys are going to blow your mind. Well, maybe I was blown away when, when I read it. Yeah. Right? So you get down to the last verse, right? Verse 40, 48, and Jesus says, You therefore must be what? Perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. How, how does Jesus define perfection? Being salt, being light, being love. 
right? The better we are at loving our neighbors, the more perfect we are. Because if I'm loving somebody else, who am I not thinking about? Myself. I'm putting myself second for somebody else's needs, right? If somebody says, hey, Daniel, I need some help. Sure, Shaka, I got you. What did you just do? You just put them before yourself. It's not about me and my desires, hopes, dreams, futures. I got you, bro. What do you need help with? Oh, let me pay you. I got you, right? I got energy. I got finances. I'm good to go. What do you need? Chairs picked up. I got to clean, set up. I'm good to go, right? Like, I'm willing to help you. And God says, in this manner, we want to be perfect. Perfection, Jesus is not defining perfection by uh, uh, not touching this and not touching that and running away from the world and keeping ourselves captivated. No, Jesus is like, when we go into the world, we want to be the light, we want to be the salt, and we want to love. And in this love is perfection. Yeah? For we must be perfect, yeah, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So my encouragement to you tonight, or to us, even me too, is that when we think about our life and why we do the things that we do, I want to ask ourselves, or we should ask ourselves, or I ask one myself, is what am I doing why am I doing those things? And within the things that I do in my life, am I incorporating others into it? So like graduates, right? Some people graduated recently. What is graduation all about? The graduates, right? Celebration, completion. Who's the most popular person? The graduate, you know? But if I'm the graduate, I'm thinking, how can I go through this and what? Help others. How can I reflect, right? How can I let it not be all about me? How can I support one another? How can I pray for one another? Because for some people, it's a celebration. Other people, it's like kind of sketchy sometimes. When you get to a place, you're like, "Uh, what am I going to do with the rest of my life, right? As soon as graduation is done and grad night is done and all the parties are done, then they're like, uh, right? Then we had that that conversation with our dad. What are you going to do with your life, you know? Like, I don't know, the rest of the next 40 years of my life, I don't know what I'm going to do. People start asking some questions, and then they're like, what am I going to do? When am I going to grow up? When am I going to move on? Am I going to go to school? I'm not going to go to school. I'm not going to school. Shucks. Everybody else is going to school. What am I going to do? You know, like, so much turmoil. And for, for the graduate who's graduating that isn't only thinking about the graduate, but maybe thinking about other people you can, within graduation, find some perfection, you know? Not just graduation, but work and, and life, family life, not thinking about yourself, but thinking about others, right? And it's not, uh, how do I want to say this? It's not a suggestion. What is this? This is the greatest commandment. It is not a suggestion for us to love our neighbors, to serve our neighbors, to go the extra mile. Hey, pay attention. This is not 
a suggestion. It is a command of God. If we are to be sons and daughters of God, he calls us to love others in this manner. Why? Because this is what sets us apart from everybody else. John chapter 13 says, by this they will know that you are my what? Disciples, right? How we love one another. Not just our little clique church, but how we love the world, right? It's going to be the determining factor. And that blows my mind. Why? So Jesus says, by this, they're going to know that you're my disciples, by how you love one another. What's funky about that? It's that, that that's kind of left for God's, for Jesus' disciples, but what's crazy about that? But actually really cool for us. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. Come on, Jenna. What's cool about that? He's like, Eddie, I hope you are. It wasn't even supposed to be, or it wasn't supposed to be limited to Jesus' followers. The initial command was who? To the whole nation of Israel. Love your neighbors and you will be the light of the world. But they didn't do it. They didn't run after God. They ran after other gods. They didn't chase after God's will. They chased it after their own will. They didn't want to satisfy the desires of God. They wanted to satisfy the desires of their own flesh. So what was left for them was passed on from them. They missed the opportunity to be the light of the world. The thing that separates us from the whole world wasn't even meant for us. But because people didn't serve the Lord and chase after His desires and His heart, we were given the opportunity to be the light of the world, to be the love in this world that is different than this world can understand. But what is the crazy thing about that? If we don't fulfill that command, where does that go to? Somebody else. It's our baton to hold. Right? It's like the relay race, man. I used to love the 4x4. Four four. The 4x1 four is good, but it's too fast, you know? When you watch track and you watch the 4x4, four four, everybody's out. Last race of the night, right? And you're like, ah, I'm going to beat these guys, you know? Even if our team might not be that good. Always try to like hope, right? But what if, like, you're, you're in the first place, right? The first leg is pretty close. You hand off. Second guy's a little bit faster. You come around that turn. Boom, third guy's going. He's pulling away, and he's in first place. He gets around to the last guy, and then what? He's not there. He's not there. Where's the last guy to grab the baton and finish the race? He's already in first place, you know? Man, I don't want to be that guy, you know? And I don't want us to be those people. My professor, who's 72, is going to finish his last year of teaching pretty soon here. When I was with him and he was teaching me and sharing stories with me and sharing scriptures, man, what did I get from him? I feel like I got the baton, you know? And I'm running this race, man, and what do I want to do with the baton? I want to pass it on to you guys. But I got to know that you're faithful. 
I got to know that you're faithful and you're not going to drop this or throw it in your pocket or leave it in your bag, but you're going to grab it, you're going to hold it, you're going to value it, and you're going to run with it until you find somebody else to pass that on. Then you're going to run alongside them until they're up and running and becoming a coach, not just a, a runner, you know? It was meant for the nation of Israel, but they dropped it. They ran after other things, man. They chased after other dreams. They forgot their initial purpose for their existence, to be the light unto the world. Yeah. And so I'm running with it. I want to pass it on. Yeah. You willing to grab it, you know? What does that mean, you know? Like, are you willing to love others? Like, let's love people together. That's shaka. You know? I mean, this, this shirt I'm wearing tonight is, is this trucker workout we did. You know? Little boy trucker and his family were running with their baton and trucker had to leave, you know? And what did they do, man? Right now, the Dukes are traveling the nation, passing on the story. They're running that race right now, loving people in the name of Jesus on behalf of their son, telling the people, we lost our son, but our God is still good. You know? And so I, I don't know what it looks like for you guys, what, it, what it's going to look like in the days ahead to love others. But it is going to be the way that they're going to see the Lord. Because I've been living a long time, and, I, and I've never seen like the physical Jesus show up. But I've seen Jesus show up in people, right, where they put themselves second. And they put you first, and they served you. How many of you guys have been served by some people? Every one of us, right? Andrea, you better hold your hand up. So much rise, you'll be old gas after this. Yeah. Um, and Jesus ultimately is our example. You know, Jesus didn't come to be served, but Jesus came to serve. And his service looked like the cross. I mean, he's our example. If Jesus can do it, yeah, we can. Um, it's good. <laughs>